Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well on opening day of the Masters, opening day of the baseball season. It's an exciting day uh, in the world of sports and a lot to get into today. Um, ben Murray's going to join me in about maybe 45 minutes to an hour. We'll get into a bunch of different things. Uh, but today we're going to talk a lot about baseball. I've been doing kind of a deep dive into each division. I'll talk to you about teams to look out for, teams that are going to lose 100 games and stink. So we'll go through that kind of cascade of different teams and, and where they stand right now. We're obviously going to talk about the Masters and everything happening down in Augusta, Georgia with Tiger Woods. And, uh, you know, obviously he's he's in the he's under par, which is crazy enough, if you can believe it. Uh, enjoyed watching that uh, this morning and this afternoon while I worked uh, really hard. So uh, going to get into that, of course. And, you know, let's start there. Um this morning, it was really surreal seeing Tiger um, back on the golf course. It was – and to to put this into perspective, I'm not the biggest Tiger super fan. I'm not a super fan of anybody, really. I don't have – I don't, you know, cry when I see him on the course or, you know, I, I have friends that just seem to they, – they live for Tiger Woods. I'm not like that. But I will say I had an appreciation to see him back on the course this morning, see him hit his first tee shot that went a little askew into the bunker just uh, um, to the right of the the first hole. And what I took away is he's not off course yet. He's one under through 16, just made a 29-foot birdie putt, which is just vintage Tiger. But he looks comfortable. He... There's times I've seen him grimace a little bit. I think uh, as he got later into the day, you saw him struggle a little bit walking. He looked a little uncomfortable. But to me, and this is one day, maybe he'll feel terrible tomorrow and he'll shoot a 75 tomorrow. I doubt it, but maybe that'll happen. But to me, he's not done. He's not done at all. I... As, as we got later into the day, he hasn't had his greatest day. He's one under. The leader right now, Cameron Smith, is six under. But if anybody expected Tiger Woods to shoot seven under today and be leading, be top of the leaderboard, you're fucking crazy. The fact that he's going to be one under, that's a good score. Rory McIlroy's one under right now. He shoots one or if he could get a birdie in these last couple holes, that would do him even better. But if he goes into tomorrow sitting at that score, he's in a good spot to make the cut. It's almost more important for Tiger to make the cut this week. And the reason I say that is to see if he can do the four days. To see if physically if he can hold up because maybe he just can't. Maybe he'll learn that. But if he can do the four days he can do it physically, if he feels good, then we can start thinking, well, okay, well, they play at St. Andrews this summer in the British Open. He can play at St. Andrews. He can play at these other events. And it's a realistic goal. Right now, we don't know if he can. Nobody does. Tiger doesn't even know. Because 
the biggest Tiger Woods fan is, oh, he's fine, he's back. We, we, I have to see him play tomorrow. I have to see what he looks like, how he feels. What, what's, what he says after the round today isn't really even that important. The press conference will be viewed by many. But to me, it's tomorrow's round. It's tomorrow's press conference where you get the real details. You get the real smoke because he's played nine holes. He's played with his his boy, Justin Thomas, who I picked in my pool, who's been garbage today. But, um, you know, he plays with his son, Charlie. That's all well and good. But how are you going to feel in an event – where it's it's golf, it's important golf, it's down on the wire, you need to make shots. It's four straight days. How how does your body feel? That is what we need to find out. But to get to the four days, to get to that next step, you have to play the first one. He's almost through the first round and he's one under. To shoot one under in your first professional round. Since the 2020 Masters, it's incredible. It's incredible. What? Two years. Two years without a a real round of golf. It's a sight to behold. And, you know, we, we see all the old faces today. Like Bernard Langer plays at this tournament Freddie Couples and Sandy Lyle and all these old guys. And eventually that'll be Tiger. But the fact that he's 46 years young, he's still competing with these guys. He's having a better day than his boy, Justin Thomas, than Matthew Wolf, and a lot of these youngsters that are very good players. Colin Morikawa, I think, has won, won over so far. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is three over par. Yeah, okay, he's injured. You got well, Tiger's got a basically a new leg. He's playing better than some of these best golfers in the world, ranked top 20. So really impressive day. We're gonna continue to track it as the show goes along here. But to me, it was never about winning this week, but it's about making the cut and seeing if you can physically get through four days. Can you get through that grind? Can you muster enough energy to do it? Can you physically walk up those hills? And that's what we'll find out. But when I look at him, is he driving it as far? No, like Louis Ustazen and Joaquin Neiman, who he's playing with today, were out driving him, but not by much. Tiger is still, he, he looks really good. You know, he's still that, I mean, he makes a 29 foot putt. He's still got that clutch putting gene that so many guys wish they could have that they don't. And they never will have that skill like Tiger does. But I also want to say kudos to Joaquin Neiman because he's a youngster. He won Tiger's event this year, actually, Tiger's tournament at Riviera. Just an outright, just destroy the field. But he's going up. He's playing against Tiger Woods. Basically, when you're in a group with somebody, you're competing against them. And whether Tiger's coming with a new leg, new body parts, whatever, I don't care if he's got an eighth arm, you're against the legend, the goat of the sport. He shoots three under so far. He's really, really good. 
And I kudos to him because on the contrary, Louis Ostazen, Uncle Louie, who had a great year at the majors last year, is three over, not having a good day. So for but for a young player like Joaquin Neiman to just have that strength to, to be able to do that today when you're playing with a guy like Tiger Woods, he deserves a ton of credit. He deserves a ton of adulation because not everyone can just do that. But as we currently stand, still a lot of golf to be played today. Um, but you have Cam Smith, who's six under through 17. Seamus picked Cam Smith. So in our pool the other night, to kudos to Seamus. He was he's going to be my pick when he took him, which bastard, but kudos to him. And what's so good, uh, Cam Smith won, obviously, uh, the players a few weeks ago. And sometimes he doesn't keep his driver straight. It sprays, but when he's so good, he's so good at recovering. He can be in the worst position in a bunker on an angle, but he finds a way to put it in a really good location and puts it in a position where he has an opportunity to still make birdie on a hole where you're like, okay, could he, a par would save your life. And Cam Smith right now on tour, I would say Cam Smith or Scotty Scheffler are the best putters in the world. Scotty Scheffler is number one player in the world, but again, he's never won a major. So that's, up in the air, but I, I look at both of them. They're such confident putters. You can, they're both great at it. And I, I think that's the biggest strength of his game is that there's not a putt where I don't think he looks at it and he goes, I'm worried about this. Um, but you got so Cam Smith six under, you got Sung JM who's four under. He's only played nine holes. So still, he still has half the course to play. Maybe he can cut into that lead a little bit. Followed behind by Joaquin Neiman at three under. You have Scotty Scheffler, three under. Danny Willett, the former Masters champion, who you don't hear about Danny Willett ever. But he gets to play the Masters because he's won here before. But he's three shots off the lead. So good good start for Danny Willett as he gets back onto the golf scene. Cameron Champ, two under. DJ is two under through seven. DJ is a sneaky because he's – DJ, a couple of years ago, he won PGA Tour Player of the Year. He won the Masters when they played it in the fall. He won uh, that year. He won the Players. He won the PGH. He was on fire. Since then, I mean, last season, the start of this one, he's been an afterthought. He played pretty well at the match play, um, which a few weeks ago. But he's a sneaky. If he could get hot here, who knows? You got uh, Jason Kokrak, shot 200 today. He's off course. Daniel Berger, who I picked in the pool, is one under, was three under till his last hole. Double bogey. Corey Connors, the Canadian, is one under through 11. Matthew Fitzpatrick is one under. Rory McIlroy is one under through five. So still a lot of guys on, on, uh, on course. Will Zalatoris is there. But just to recap me and Seamus's pool, because I know you guys are all so interested in that, because who isn't? I had Justin Thomas, and uh, trying to I picked Justin Thomas because I thought he – I actually did think he'd have a good chance of winning, and he can recover. I'm frustrated with him right now. But he's now three under through 16. <sighs> yep, that's what's happening there. Uh, Shea picked John Rom with his first pick. He is one over through six, so kind of a wash. 
Cantlay, he picked Cantlay. He's even par. He's got Cam Smith, who's in the league, so good on you, Shay. Rick Hovland, or Victor Hovland, he's one over through six. Uh, and I have Berger, I have McElroy, Sam Burns, one under, and our long shot picks, I had Harry Higgs. He shot one under today. Harry Higgs for the home team. Lee Westwood is one over, as we said. So we'll update the leaderboard as we go along today. But we'll talk about this, obviously, throughout the show today. We'll talk about it on the show tomorrow. But um, this is Saturday morning. We're going to be doing a special podcast. It's going to be a roundtable, a whole bunch of us in the studio um, on Saturday morning. We're going to talk about the Masters. It's going to be myself. Seamus will be here. I believe our buddy uh, Casey Ward is coming up. Cole McDonald is frequently on the podcast. So we're all going to come together, talk about some golf, talk about some sports, definitely some laughs. So um, look for it. That will be 9 a.m. on Saturday. So get you get ready for, for golf that day before the morning tea time. So um, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it will be fun. And we're going to do that on Saturday. So keep keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. I'll keep up. I'll let you guys remind you of, of that tomorrow. But we'll be doing that Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. So that's what's on tap there. So through all the Masters hoopla, you got Tiger Woods. And the sport of baseball could not have been thrilled that the Masters was on the first was on opening day. But they really didn't have a choice because obviously it was a lockout. You got pushed back and you need to start the season as soon as you can to fit in the 162 games. So, yes, baseball started today. Currently, I think there's one game in action is the Milwaukee Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. Um, one of the great rivalries in the sport of baseball in the National League Central. And currently, the Chicago Cubs lead Milwaukee by a score of 3-1. to one. And the first home run of the season came from Nate Herner, who hit a homer to left and scored Jason Hayward. So the first home run of the season is off the board. Right now, the Guardians and Royals are um, are playing at Pirates. Cardinals coming up in first pitch, supposed to be in about a minute's time. Mets, Nats tonight. Reds, Braves, where the Braves will get their banner, see their rings, Astros, Angels. Padres at the D-backs. So opening day is, it's never a bad thing for any organization because it's rebirth. It's optimism. You're tied for first, you're tied for last. And it's, how are we going to do? You know, what's, what's realistic goals? What's realistic expectations this season? How are we, how are we approaching this? So it's always, where, where do we go from here? How are things going to go? And, you know, looking through Major League Baseball, scouring teams, get, getting my thoughts and, and feelings of, on the divisions, teams, where, where are they going to finish? I will say this about baseball. I think more than in past years, the middle ground teams are better than they used to be. I think you're going to see more teams that right now you're like, wow, are they good? Are they not? I think you're going to see more competitive baseball from middle teams. There's still, and don't worry, there are plenty of teams that are going to lose 100-plus games. A lot of them. Not just Baltimore, because there are some awful 
awful teams pitching, but that's what that's what happens in baseball. What and I read an interesting article about this in the Athletic this morning. Baseball and Andrew, uh, just for reference, Andrew Brandt, who used to be the uh, GM and president of the Green Bay Packers, wrote this article. Really smart guy. I like uh, I like listening to his podcast. He's got a, a sports business podcast. He's also a really talented writer. But he was writing about how the sport of baseball struggles because they don't have a salary cap. Baseball has a luxury tax, or if you're an owner that wants to spend large amounts of money, oh, you can, no problem. You just got to pay more money. But when you are a bottom feeder team, when you're going through a rebuild, when you want to stink, you don't have to spend X amount of money. You you could spend, I mentioned it the other day, you could spend $10. If, if you could get a team on the, on the field for 10 bucks, you could do it. There's nothing that says you have to spend X amount of money. And there are teams this year that are going to be spending under $30 million. That's that's $30 million. That, that's like the least top line, just to put that into perspective. Under that for an entire roster. So I, I think base, as much as people complain about the salary cap, I think people that complain about the salary cap are just teams that can't find a way to win, teams that sign players to bad contracts, or fans that just like to bitch about anything. But the salary cap has been one of the biggest benefits to sports in the history of sports. Um, Listening, you know, the NBA got the salary. It saved the league putting in minimum that you have to spend, it, it helped propel the league. It, it It's one of the main reasons sports continues to work and is such a big entity as it is, the salary cap. But as, as we look at it in baseball, let's start with the National League West. I'm going to go through each division here. But there's two teams in the National League West that are no good. And what's funny is they have two very different approaches to being really bad teams. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to lose 100-plus games this year. Sterling Marte is gone. Cattell Marte is gone. Um, they've Every Paul Goldschmidt is in Philadelphia, is in uh, St. Louis. They've ripped apart the roster, and anybody that was there when they had you know, a modicum of success has departed. So it's just Madison Bumgarner, basically. And Mad Bum is a shell of him, of his former self, where he was a world, multiple-time World Series winner, a stud, and now he's just a run-of-the-mill pitcher on a really bad team. But kudos to him, he gets to live in Arizona, which isn't bad with no state income tax. Um. But the D-backs have stripped apart the roster other than Mad Bum because nobody will take that contract. So they're basically, okay, we got nothing. Our one attraction is come see Madison Bumgarner pitch. He's still a big personality. That's what we got for you. So their approach is basically we're going to suck. We're going to spend no money other than what, this one big contract. Cheers. Then there's the Colorado Rockies, who I don't understand at all because the Rockies – have made decisions that are puzzling. 
So first one, Nolan Arenado. In my opinion, the greatest, the best third baseman in baseball. Was on your team. Gold glove after gold glove playing in Colorado. Home runs. Just did everything you could possibly want. He wants a big payday. He wants to make it rain, if you will. And they say, you know what? Nah. We we think we're Colorado. We're known, we're really well known for attracting big name talent. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna let you walk. We the only reason we had two lows because we drafted him and we offered him a whole bunch of money. But how many big name players just say, "Yeah, I want to go to the Colorado Rockies." Yeah, you got, if you know what, and leave me in them in the comments. But I'll move on. So they let Arenado walk. Then they say, "Well, Trevor Story wants too much money." Who was their starting shortstop for a number of years? Hit home runs five different seasons. He has his warts at short, but better than a lot of other shortstops in the league. He'll be better than whoever they throw on the field this year. So they let him go to the Boston Red Sox. Okay, you want to tear it down. You want to start over. You want to find Trevor Story. You want to find Nolan Arenado replacements through draft development. Okay, I can somewhat deal with that. Maybe not Arenado, but maybe you can find a Trevor Story replacement. Okay, I get it. But then they go out and sign Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs, who plays third base, who is not as good as Nolan Aaron, not even close, who's on the back nine of his career. And not just that, but they give Chris Bryant a six-year, $160 million contract. And what this is, is Chris Bryant is the token player. You know, in the old days when... When the teams were all full of white players and you had to have one black in your team, you had your token black player. Well, now they have their token star. Chris Bryant is the token star. Oh, wait, but he's not a star anymore. He's on the back nine. He's broken down. So you're paying a guy whose numbers are not going to be any good. Maybe he'll have one good season. Come at me then. But he'll have – maybe this year he's great. But, have, but they'll lose close to 100 games right up with the D-backs. So you'll, you'll have Chris Bryant with no pitching, no help, nothing else. Chris Bryant, and you got Randall Gritchick. That's what you got to look forward to this season in Colorado. I, I, you're spending – if you don't have to spend money, well, like I just told you, Chris Bryant was sitting there. He's – the season's about to start, and you say, you know what? Well, you're holding out. Clearly, somebody wants him. It's a couple of days of the season. You're, there's so many suitors. There aren't any. So let's go bid against ourselves, and we'll give you six million hundred six years, hundred sixty million. Scott Boris must have choked on his coffee that he was drinking in his office when he heard this offer and said, "Yeah, we'll take it." The Chicago Cubs. Won a World Series with Chris Bryant, with Rizzo, with Javi Baez. That was in 2016. It's 2022. That was a long, long time ago. The Cubs sold those guys off because they couldn't win with them anymore. So the Rockies know this. They play in the National League. And they say, you know what? Yeah, we'll take them. You can't fix stupid. This is just bad management. 
plain and simple. And I'll probably never talk about the Rockies again in this podcast. Well, maybe I will because I watch bad teams. But this is just beyond stupidity. Why? And if the argument that I hear back is, well, Chris Bryant will get people in the seats. No. Chris Bryant will not get people in the seats. People are not going to go to Coors Field and say, Okay, we're going to go to a ball game today to go watch Chris. No. Chris Bryant is not Fernando Tatis Jr. the third. Chris Bryant is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's not Ronald Acuna. Name your star player. That's not Chris Bryant has no appeal like that. He batted 244 last year. His power numbers are down. His batting average is down. His fielding gets worse. Yeah, it'll take him six years. Good luck with that. Stupid. So go, so we go up the National League West. This is tough because you got the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants. I think all three teams are good. But I believe that the Giants are going to finish third in this division. I believe the I think the Giants finished first last year, but it took a miracle season for them to do it. They had career years from Logan Webb, Kevin Gosman, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Buster Posey, who's now retired, uh, Mike, Mike Ruszczemski. They had unbelievable seasons from all these, all, all career years. Gosman's gone. They added Carlos Rodon from the White Sox. He's, not consistent enough for me. Their bullpen again, but I think you're asking a lot of this team for everyone to have a career again. I really like Logan Webb. I think he's really good. But I'm just mentioning Chris Bryant. You can have later in your career, you can have a season where it's an outlier, where you're you're fantastic and you're like, wow, this guy's back. Brandon Crawford finished fourth in MVP voting for the National League last year. But I, I don't think he's going to have that type of impact again. I don't think the Giants are going to be slouches. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. But I look at the National League West and how competitive I believe it will be. The Padres are scary because they spend so much money. They, are, they have the fourth highest payroll in baseball. And you could argue that is, you know, is it worth the squeeze? You know, everybody that they have, they traded Chris Paddock today. They still have Eric Hosmer, who that contract continues to be, a, you know, a big part of the problem in San Diego. But I look at the, I look at the Padres. Blake Snell is coming back. He didn't pitch last year. Uh, he didn't pitch the back half of last year. Mike Clevenger had Tommy John. He'll be back midway point this year. They just traded for Sean Manaya. Um, Manny Machado is still on the team. Tatis is going to miss some time, but I think they have enough around him to, to play good baseball. And, you know, just you look at the, the, the Giants. Anthony Des, Deslafani had a career last year. He had a sub-330 ERA. He was fantastic. Dominic Leone, who I – one of my personal favorites. Again, and not a name that you – 
would think of. He used to pitch for the Blue Jays, if you uh, if you remember the name. But he, going into the playoffs last year, he had a 182 ERA. It's not going to happen again. Uh, but you got Rodon, Tyler Rogers, Logan Webb, Alex Wood, who's kind of a fringe starter slash reliever. You got Belt Crawford, Wilmer Flores, Jock Peterson is now on the on the Giants. I don't want him playing every day. He's much better in situations like he was in Atlanta, where you have him come in and pitch hit. You have him play every other day, maybe. But I, I just I like the Padres roster a little bit more than I like the Giants. And I think it's gonna be very close. But you know, we saw the Giants have that spectacular year last year, and it really came out of nowhere. I think this year it's going to be much more routine where the Dodgers are just the class of this division. And although the second and third place teams are good, I think the Dodgers will have a sizable edge in the and how they win this division. You know, you look, they got Freddie Freeman. They got Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. They acquired closer uh, Craig Kimbrell. Now, do they have their warts? Yeah. I don't think their starting pitching is as good as people think. I look at the back, back end of their bullpen, and I'm like, who's closing games with this team? It was Kenley Jansen forever. I think it's a net positive that he's gone, that he, he went to Atlanta, didn't love that signing. But who's, who's going to close games for, for the Dodgers? But, you know, you'd like to think that you're going to see a resurgence from Clayton Kershaw. Hopefully he can stay healthy, and that's a big if, and that's a big ask because he never is. But the one thing I can see from the Padres, they can make it interesting because if you got Manaya pitching well, you have Darvish who can when he wants to, Emilio Pagan, Clevenger, Snell. Like that's a really good – and Joe Musgrove who's underrated as well as a, as a pitcher. So the National League West is always – one of the most, I think the National League West and the American League East are, are the two most interesting divisions in baseball. NL East is interesting for me too. Um, but I, I, again, the Dodgers are must watch and they'll be even more dangerous if Trevor Bauer is eligible to come back. Because he, right now, uh, if you don't recall from last season, Trevor Bauer didn't pitch from May until the end of the season because he was accused of uh, like domestic abuse slash sexual assault. So he's dealing with this. He's still going through the trials and tribulations. So he's vehemently always denied it. Um, I, I think he's kind of in the, he's going through, he's kind of hoping for Deshaun Watson type resolution to the story, but it could be an opportunity where he is back in baseball, but there's always the possibility like Deshaun Watson that Trevor Bauer is suspended through all of this, even though he missed all of last year. But in if they if they can get him back, you'd have Trevor Bauer, Kershaw, Julio Arias, who led Major League Baseball in wins last year, stud, Dustin May, and you know the best pitcher on the Dodgers is Walker Bueller. I mean, you can make the argument Walker Bueller is the best pitcher in all of baseball. I don't think that's a hard argument to make, but they're, they're a good team. They're a really good team because you got Muncie. Gavin Locke should be an everyday starter for the Dodgers. 
Um, but again, I do think they have their positions where you can get them. The back end of their bullpen, I don't see a, a, a position there where you it's a lock where you're like, I feel really good about this. But I do think the National League West is going to be competitive. It's going to be a dogfight all year. And But I do expect the Dodgers to win it. I do expect – I think I looked on FanDuel this morning. I think the Dodgers are like at 95 wins. I take the over. I think they're getting over 100. Even with this division, I mean, you got to play the Rockies and you got to play the Diamondbacks. A lot of games as well. Those are a lot of W's. So, um, yeah, I like the Dodgers, but I do think with the expanded playoffs, you'll you know, Giants and Dodgers made the playoffs last year, where uh, Giants won the division. Dodgers had to beat the Cardinals in the playoff game, in the wild card game. I think two teams from this division will make the playoffs for sure, potentially. Both Padres and Giants both make the playoffs um, coming out of this division. Um, get to the National League Central here in a minute. Just going to check the leaderboard here at the Masters. Just want to keep that updated uh, as we go through it here. I don't want to – it's for you guys, also for me, because I'm interested and we're doing the show and obviously fun, but I want to I want to hear about the leaderboard. If anybody's, if anybody's watching out there and you want to tell me anytime there's a big shot and anybody takes a lead, feel free because that uh, would help me. So – um, but the National League Central, um, oh, sorry, here we go. Uh, Cam Smith had a double bogey on 18. He's only four under. So big, big swing there. So he drops two strokes uh, at the end of the day. Joaquin Neiman, Scotty Scheffler. Um, you got uh, Sanjay M is still three under. Dustin Johnson, Kokrak, Tiny Answer. Is one under, and Tiger Woods finishes the day one under. So he's only three strokes off the lead. Incredible. Uh, Zalatoris, so that's, that's a big swing to end the day to see Cam Smith double bogey uh, on 18, and now uh, you know, a much different landscape as, as, as we head into tomorrow. Guys are still going to finish the rounds and uh, still a lot of holes to play. But for guys like uh, Tiger like a, a Harry Higgs, who's who's done for the day, like a Daniel Berger, to wake up tomorrow and you're only potentially three strokes off the lead, that's a much better feeling um, as, as you take the course. So so big, big swing there uh, from, from Cam Smith, who still had a great day, just a tough end to his day. Um, National League Central. Let's start with the bottom teams because that's – you got to start – you got to – Get rid of the crap, right? You got to get rid of the teams. They're going to be no good. I'm not going to talk much about the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, but they are They're going to lose 100-plus games. There's not much about the Pittsburgh Pirates that's marketable. They signed a uh, an infielder today who is a good player, Cabrian Hayes, to an eight-year eight year extension. So that's – the one thing you could really say this team's got a young player that that seems it's going to be fun to watch, marketable, what have you. Other than that, it's very run of the mill. It's very boring, and they're they're just not a very good team. They don't spend a whole lot of money, so nothing really sexy, nothing really that appealing about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, uh, they they had an off season where they got rid of a lot of talent. They traded Sonny Gray. They traded uh, Eugenio Suarez. They traded Jesse Winker. 
to the Seattle Mariners. Um, and you look around, they got Joey Votto, who's still there. I think you I've heard him interview, he's a great interview, by the way. But he always he always wants to be a Cincinnati Red. He doesn't, he's not a guy that wants to be traded to a contender. He's not a guy that complains about a situation. He loves playing at the Great American Ballpark, and I think he'll do that for the remainder of his career. But they got Nick Senzel, who plays center field, um, who's a good player. Tommy Pham was added late, Jonathan India. But, again, this is a team that's not going to do much damage. Luis Castillo is a really good starting pitcher, Vlad, but I think this year for them, they got to hope that Vlad uh, Gutierrez, uh, Castillo continues to grow, Tyler May, uh, Maley, and uh, they can just go through a season, potentially move some players uh, at the deadline and get some more draft picks because this team is building for the future. Oddly enough, I think the Chicago Cubs are going to finish third in this division. I do think Cincinnati could potentially finish higher than them because going through it, I kind of like Cincinnati more. But the Cubs, I mentioned, they got rid of Anthony Rizzo. They got rid of Javi Baez. They got rid of uh, Chris Bryant. They've they've gone through a shift. Jason Hayward is still there, but they they've gotten rid of a lot of the team that won a World Series. That bullpen that they they traded uh, Craig Kimbrell, so he uh, he's since the, you know, he's gone. Uh, so they they have a lot of new pieces uh, on this team. You know, Nate Herner, Ian Happ is going to play every day for the Cubs. Um, you know, they still have Kyle Hendricks, who is their veteran starter, but no more John Lester. He's gone. So it's it's a new it's a new day in Chicago. I don't think this team is going to be overly competitive. I think there's going to be a run-of-the-mill team. They're going to hope you find some players that they can, you know, be part of the of the future when it comes to being competitive. But I think there's a Chicago Cubs team that doesn't have doesn't have a whole lot of talent. And although they might beat Milwaukee today, I don't see them being better than Milwaukee or St. Louis come the end of the season. Now, it's interesting because I think Milwaukee and St. Louis are both two good teams. And I think both have a good shot of making the playoffs. But as I look at it, what I like a lot about really both teams is their starting pitching. For... From Milwaukee, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Wandy Peralta are three really good pitchers. Woodruff might be the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball. He just eats innings. He's pitched in big playoff games. He's got a sub-220 ERA in, in his postseason career. He's been really good. Uh, Corbin Burns continues to get better. He's made the all-star team last year. And they, they added Andrew McCutcheon, who's playing DH today, which is rare to see the former uh, MVP of the Pittsburgh Pirates way way back when. He hasn't been great, but they had a Hunter Renfro. He seems to be, you know, wherever he, wherever he goes, seems to have success. They added Mike Brousseau. They still have Rowdy Telez. Christian Yelich has had a couple of down seasons. But Lorenzo Cain, I, I, I like Milwaukee, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win this division. And, you know, the Cardinals are kind of getting the band back together late in their careers, which is so strange. But oddly enough, I'm, I'm okay with it because Adam Wainwright had one of the best seasons of his career last year. And this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. He might he might be a Hall of Famer in Adam Wainwright. He's 40 years old, but he struck he won his most games he has in five years. 
He looks fantastic, great shape. And so he comes back. They sign Yadier Molina to a one-year deal. He's back. And they got Steven Matz. He came over from the Blue Jays. He's he's a good 3-4 starter. They got Miles Mikolas. Goldschmidt still plays the first still plays first base for them. Really good there. They got Aaron Otto at the corner. He's great. And you know, it's nostalgic, but Albert Pujols is back with the Cardinals where he started his career, where he played his first 10 years of his career, won three World Series, uh, two World Series, won three uh, MVP trophies. And you know, when he when he starts, he's going to be the designated hitter most days. And it's going to, you know, he's playing today, but it's going to set a record where he's playing his 22nd straight opening day, which is incredible. And uh, they just took uh, the Cardinals are playing the Pirates today. They just took a one nothing lead off of um, Canadian Tyler O'Neill. Uh, got a got a base hit to score in Daniel Carlson, the right fielder. But you look at I look at the team today. Like Wainwright's pitching, he's still really good. You got Carlson, Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, who's uh, really good in the field. Aaron Otto, Albert Pujols, Paul DeYoung, Yaddy, Harrison Bader in center field. Like, I think the Cardinals are going to be a really good team. And like I said, I think Milwaukee is no slouch, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win the division. Um, and I, I just like, I like their team a little bit more. I like their batters slightly more than Milwaukee's. I'd say Milwaukee might have a little bit better starting pitching, but I like the bats a tad bit more of uh, St. Louis. I just think they've been there in those big situations and they they made the wild card game last year. Uh, did the did the Cardinals? And I think with Wainwright, with Yadier Molina, with Pujols, everybody back in the fold, I think there's going to be a sense of urgency this year that they know this is this is the last dance, if you will. This is their last chance to to make it. Pujols said this is his last season. He wanted to finish it where it started in St. Louis. And I wouldn't be surprised if Wainwright and Yadier Molina both decide to retire this year if Pujols does, so they all go out together. But I do think the Cardinals will be a threat. I think they'll win this division. And, yeah, look out for them. I, I think they're they're a good team. They're going to be in a favorable spot because they get to play Cincinnati, they get to play the Cubs, and they get to play uh, Pittsburgh a lot. And those three teams are not great. The Cubs are mediocre at best, and I think they're the third best team in this division. So – um, that bodes well for the Cardinals to really have a good season and really take advantage of some weaknesses. So then let's go to the National League East. And I mentioned this is an interesting division, National League East. It, oh, it always is for me. Um, but like I was saying about the other division, about there's always junk teams. That That's one thing about baseball. There's going to be a number of teams that just stink. You know it. It's that's just the way it works. That's just that's going to happen forever. But let's start with the Miami Marlins. They're going to stink. You know, every you're going to find a team that's going to lose 100 plus games. That's the Miami Marlins. They they don't have much to be excited about. I'm sorry, Marlins. The one thing that Marlins fans should be excited about is that Derek Jeter is no longer running your organization. Yankees fans, you should be worried that they might hire Derek Jeter to come in and work for them. So, actually, that might, if you're a Jays fan, that probably that would be a good thing that they hired Derek Jeter. But Marlins, Derek Jeter is no longer there. 
since they hired Derek Jeter, they've had no success. They traded Christian Yelich. They traded Giancarlo Stanton. They traded uh, uh, the JT Realmuto. Uh, you know, they've it seems like every good player that they had, they got rid of, and they've been trying to supplement them that year in the bubble, that sixty-game season. They made the playoffs, but that was really a phony season. Uh, that was the Dodgers' phony championship that year. But um, so I don't take a whole lot of stock in that. But again, uh, the Marlins are going to be an afterthought. They're they're not going to be any good. Don't expect to see them in the win column too often. Washington Nationals, they are going through a transition. They're going through a metamorphosis where for a number of years, the Washington Nationals were a very competitive team. They won a World Series in 2019. They had arguably the greatest pitcher in all of baseball in Max Scherzer. They had one of the greatest shortstops in Trey Turner, who's now in the Dodgers. They had a guy they took number one overall. That took a lot of, they took a lot of time getting to develop him. He got a lot of rest. He got a lot of time to work on things. And ultimately, it paid off in 2019 because Steven, Tross, Steven Strasburg was healthy when they needed him to, and it helped them win a World Series. But now he's broken down even more than when they drafted him, and he may never pitch again, but the Dodgers uh, – sorry, for the Nats, it doesn't matter. The one thing you can look at for the Nationals, the one thing I can sell you on Washington, watching the Nationals games, they have one of the best players in all of baseball in Juan Soto. Juan Soto is a great fielder. He's got a great bat, and he's fun to watch. He's got a personality. He's already a World Series champion. They added Nelson Cruz, who's 42, I believe now, kind of everyday designated hitter, continues to put up numbers, has 40 home runs every year, seems to fit in wherever he plays, was in Minnesota last year. He got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays at the trade deadline. But, you know, he's good to have for a while. I think a team will still want him at the trade deadline. See so a deal him then. You see what we can get for him. But uh, they got Josh Bell. They got Cesar Hernandez. So they got some veterans playing positions, but they also got youngsters like Lane Thomas, who's a center fielder, and Kbart Ruiz, who are going to get run time, going to get playing time this year to see if they can be the answers long-term at these positions. Because, you know, they had um, they had a catcher for – they've had catchers for a long time. Pedro Severino was in Washington. He was now in Baltimore. He just filled a PED test. Um so they've got to find new guys to play positions. It can't just be Juan Soto or before you know it, he's already turned down an extension with the Nationals where they offered him over $300 million. So that tells me he probably doesn't like it in Washington right now. If they continue to lose, they might lose out on one of the best players in baseball too. So that's when we get – it gets more interesting. You got Atlanta. You got Philly. And get the Mets. Let's start with the Mets because I think the Mets are the second best team in this division. But I have a feeling they're going to finish third. And some of it has to do with injuries and some of it has to do with my skepticism of the Mets. The Mets, and you know, I, I feel bad because I feel like a lot of New York Mets fans are New York Jets fans and boy that must be a bad feeling because you have bad ownership you have bad management and you just have bad players more often than not now you could look at the Mets and say well you know Noah that that's changed we got Max Scherzer we got Jacob DeGrom 
Touche. However, Jacob deGrom is out at least the first month. I've I mentioned the other day, David Sampson, listen to his podcast, nothing personal. He said on that show, he believes Jacob deGrom will not pitch until the All-Star break. Maybe he's wrong, but he's plugged in. He used to be the president of the Miami Marlins. He used to play against the Mets a lot of times every year because they're in the same division. So maybe he'll be wrong, but I know he's missing at least a month. And then you know how long it takes to, to get pitchers back up to speed nowadays. It takes a minute. So it's not going to be five minutes. That I know for certain. Max Scherzer, he's already got a hamstring issue. He was injured towards, I mentioned the other day, he was injured towards the back half of last year. Seemed to have a lot of issues physically. Can he hold up? I don't know. I don't think it's a 100% guarantee this guy's you know, Iron Man anymore. He's getting up there in age, and I have my worries about him. So there's that concern. You know, Chris Bassett, okay, Taiwan Walker, you got to hope he can find it. And, you know, I like Lindor. P uh, Pete Alonzo is a good first baseman. Starling Marte is a nice add. But I just, I just have this feeling about the Mets. If they don't have a hot start to the season, I think it could blow up quickly. I think they're a team that needs to find success quickly. Because before you know it, they could be struggling. And maybe the... <laughs> The Yankees are struggling too. And boy, would that be funny because that would not go well in that city with both teams in the crapper. But it could very well happen. But I don't trust the Mets. But I do think they'll be interesting. I think the Mets will be one of the funnest teams to track all season long. And you bet your bottom do last dollar will be doing it throughout to the point. Philadelphia Phillies. I'm going to reiterate this. I believe the Mets are far have they're, they're more talented than the Phillies. Much more talented. But I like the Phillies starting pitching. Aaron Nola is very good. Kyle Gibson's serviceable. Zach Wheeler, he's kind of hot and cold season in, season out. But when he's on, he is on. Zach Eflin, their bullpen is a huge question mark with Yuri's Familia, Brad Hand, Jose Alvarado. That makes me concerned. But, again, they don't have a very talented team, but I do think they could be interesting. Um, I see we got our guest on the line. I'm going to bring him in here. Rock sporting his, uh, his Jays hat before before opening day uh, is friend of the show, Ben Murray. Benny, how are you? Good. I joined, and the first thing I heard you mention was Brad Hand. That's that's bad news right there. <laughs> that's not a good name. Not a good yeah, name. I was I was doing my research because I was kind of going through each division, and I realized that he was on the Phillies now. But knowing Jays fans' luck, he'll probably be go back to being good somehow. Right. He was pathetic in his short stint last year in Toronto. So I mean, best of luck to him. But I was, I was I was talking about the NL East and how. You know, I, th I think the Mets are one of the more interesting teams going into the division, uh, going into the season, because I think it could go great or it could go horribly wrong, which is even more fascinating if that, if that happens with all the money they've spent. But um, 
how do you see the season going for the Mets? Because they got Scherzer, DeGrom, but are you optimistic or pessimistic about their chances uh, going forward here? I guess about the hardest team you could have asked me about, because like you said, they I could see them winning the division, but I could see them in like third, fourth place and missing the playoffs pretty easily. Um, the Mets are always going to Mets. I feel terrible for DeGrom. He's like a super likable, seems like a genuine nice guy, and he just can't stay healthy. Um, I'd be concerned about him if I was a Mets fan. I know they're going to reevaluate in four weeks, but I feel like that's never usually a good thing. So, I mean, they got they got to hope that his injury isn't season ending. That's priority number one. Priority number two is now Scherzer, who throughout his most of his career has been a workout a workhorse stayed mm-hmm. pretty healthy and now there's a bit of concerns i think it's his hamstring or quad yeah. something in his leg so that's another concern for him because he's not getting any younger i know he's still a beast on the mound but he's getting up there in age so uh health definitely should be a bit of a concern for him as well um if they can stay healthy, I mean, I could easily see them dominating because they traded for Chris Bassett. They have one of the best rotations in the, in mm-hmm. the whole league, really. Um, so their pitching, if they can stay healthy, is great. The lineup is – they had a lot of guys coming off down years. Like Lindor was a down year last year. I think he'll rebound a bit. McNeil struggled a lot last year. Um, he's a guy that's interesting because – I think it was the year before the shortened season. He was really good. Last year he struggled. So it's kind of a what is he year type for him. Um, they lost Conforto, who wasn't very good, but they added some speed with Marte. So I think they'll be good. I think they'll, I would have them finishing second above Philly behind Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, like you said, you can really see it going a lot of ways with the Mets. And, and you got to remember, they're still the Mets at the end of the day. So. That's the thing, because it could just be the Mets, because I, I agree. I think they're far more talented than Philly. But I think I like Philly's staff. Like, I think Nola's a really good pitcher. I, uh, Zach Wheeler, when Zach Wheeler's on, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he's so hard to hit. Uh, Kyle Gibson's serviceable. Eflin is serviceable, too. But, again, you know, Familia, Brad Hand, Alvarado, they're all kind of the same. Um, and Bryce – I like Castellanos more than most people. I know he's not the greatest in the field. By doing, he's a good player, but you know, Schwarber. I don't really know where he fits. I don't DH for me, but um, I I think they're they're interesting. And I I think do you think Atlanta is head and shoulders the best team in the division? I, I would say so because I mean their their bullpen. I think you can make a good case. Atlanta's bullpen is the best in the league. They really mm-hmm. kept all their beasts from last year, the team that won the World Series, and just added a couple more good arms, uh, Jansen. I, they added another good arm. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um, and then the lineup, I mean, they get Acuna back in the lineup. Yeah. Who, when he's healthy, MVP candidate right there. And obviously they lost Freeman, but they replaced him with Olsen, who's no slouch himself. Um, I, I think he can between Acuna and Olsen like more than easily make up for the loss of Freeman so I think Atlanta's still far and away the best team in that division um just because like I said that bullpen is a strength and they get uh Soroka back in the rotation hopefully he can stay healthy uh good Canadian boy 
um, and that rotation Max Freed. So I yeah, I, I think Atlanta is definitely the best team still in that division right now. Yeah, to your point, they added uh, Colin McHugh from yes, Houston. Yes. Yeah, he's he's good because he can pitch multiple innings. And uh, you mentioned they, they kept Luke Jackson, who I really like a lot. Matzik, who was just unbelievable in the playoffs for them last year. Uh, still have Darno there as well. So, yeah, they, they still have a really good team. Um, I don't know if you read the article today, but uh, they were interviewing Acuna, and he kind of talked about his relationship with Freeman. And I don't think they really had a great relationship because he said they Freeman was kind of basically just told him what to do all the time. And he just took it because he was a veteran, but it was, it was kind of interesting that they, they obviously chose Acuna over Freeman in, in a sense, uh, not that this was a dispute, but they didn't want to give Freeman the extra years and the money, but I'm interested to see what their culture is like now that Freeman is gone. And if Acuna is the new "Quote unquote leader." I'm just interested to see what what kind of change that brings to, to their organization. Yeah, it's interesting because when when Freeman left, I uh, heard a lot of interviews with guys like I think Swanson and Darno. They both talked about how Freeman was like a phenomenal leader, and they they loved the guy. So it it was a bit interesting to hear Acuna say that. And I mean, obviously, we'll never know uh, the full story there, but it was, it was kind of funny that he. Acuna like denied it right away like he flat I was like I didn't say this with a bunch of clown emojis I think he said on Twitter but uh I mean I don't understand Spanish but everyone was saying he, he clearly said it so I don't, I'm not really mm -hmm. sure what he was denying and it'll be interesting to hear when he speaks to the media next what he has to say but um yeah maybe there's a bit of friction because everybody else seemed to have no problems with Freddie but I don't know what sort of that rift rift there was yeah, I wonder if it's a bit of because you look at the Blue Jays, and I think everybody's kind of a free spirit, if you will. They got that um, the suit coat for the home run, which I don't love per se, but again, it, you know, I think everybody kind of has that personality on the team, if you will, Benny. And, and I think Ronald Acuna is very, you know, he's he's a he's got his own personalities. He's a showy type player. He's fun, but Freeman is very much, you know, meat and potatoes. Uh, you know give me my protein shake and my uh, couple of Jack Daniels and I'm good to go. Like, I, I wonder if it was just a bit of like old school, new school thinking in the game. You're right. It, it does feel like that new school, old school type of debate that we see a lot now with the game, with the, the bat flips and the mm. eccentric celebrations. But I think there's room for both in the game. Personally, I think most people that sort of how they align, um, was Acuna as a rookie, maybe, sure, I don't know. It's You'll never win a debate like that because there are always be people, hey, let them show their emotions, let them backflip. Then there's mm -hmm. the other side of the people getting getting mad at that stuff. So, like I said, I think there's sort of room for a happy medium, but I, I would say that was, wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of the main cause of the rift there. Let's pivot to the Blue Jays. They start tomorrow against the Texas Rangers. Um, the Blue Jays are betting favorites. Uh, I think from FanDuel, from Vegas, to, to represent the American League in the World Series. Are those realistic expectations for you this, this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I don't know if quite we're at World Series or bust yet, but I think we're at when the AL East or bust at this point. The additions of Chapman, the lot of signings, the big free agent signings uh, with the starting rotation, obviously the extended 
Barrios and they signed Gosman essentially to replace Robbie Ray. Um, so I think expectations are high and rightfully so. Those young guys are just and really just entering their prime. You could argue that they still have a couple years to go before they even do enter their prime, which is crazy to think about based on the numbers that we've seen them put up. So uh, that lineup, like top to bottom, you can nitpick a little. You could say maybe they it would be in a perfect world. We add that lefty power hitting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, there's there's not a ton of holes in the lineup. Defensively, not bad. Bobichet's still a little weak at shortstop. You can argue the corner outfields and Springer slowing down um, a bit. But we got significantly better at third base at defense. Um, yep. So I like the, the overall team defense more than last year. Um, and then maybe the bullpen is maybe the biggest question mark. Um, it certainly looks a lot better than it did heading into last year, which was uh, a debacle. And you could probably make the case that that was the reason they missed the playoffs last year was their bullpen at the beginning of the year. Um, but it's nice to have guys like Simber and uh, Richards there to start the year. Um, so I think expectations are high and I think rightfully so. Uh, I think it's uh, ALE's title or bust, not quite ready to go world series or bust yet but i think uh i think we're getting there yeah um yeah you said there's not many holes uh with this team is t oscar hernandez the everyday dh for you or would you put him in the field uh it's so tough because yeah it depends what they want to do with do they want to play tapia because i don't want him in the lineup all day but you can put biggio out there too um Mm -hmm. i I think if Biggio can produce, that fills a huge hole and that answers a lot of question marks. And then maybe you can uh, put T. Oscar in that DH role full time. Um, but I, I have a big question mark whether Biggio will be able to put it together because we really haven't seen it for um, a good stretch of time at the major league level yet. I think for now, Hernandez starts in right field, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if as the season goes on, we definitely see um, in that DH spot more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the team looks really good. And I don't know if you've been seeing this, but the Yankees and Red Sox have been – well, the media down there have been complaining about the vaccine mandates uh, in Toronto and Boston uh, – with in Toronto. And – I just find this quite funny that they're already complaining about this. And I don't know if it's because they think they're inferior already to the Blue Jays or it's in fear of the team. But I do find it funny. It's the season hasn't even started yet. We don't know who's unvaccinated because they don't talk about it. But, you know, it'll be it'll come out in the wash eventually. Maybe if it is Aaron Judge, if whoever it is down there in New York and Boston. But I really don't want to hear this excuse like go get go get the shot if, you, if you're complaining this much about it. But I, I just find this funny coming from the, the two biggest media teams in Boston. Yeah, yeah super funny. And you don't see any mention of Toronto having to play in three different cities last year right. or anything like that. And you'd love to think, uh, like, if Toronto was a basement feeder and had no chance, would this be causing the same stir? Who knows? So I agree. It is It is pretty funny. I've heard, I heard rumblings that Bogart's maybe a guy in Boston. Uh, we'll see. We saw it come out with uh, switching sports, but yesterday with the guy in the Sixers, it came out. He won't mm-hmm. be able to Toronto, so that's a potential first-round matchup. So it, it will be interesting to see. Like you said, I think there were 
rumbling as a judge too. So who knows? But yeah, stop with those excuses already. It's it's funny, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I I if I'm the Yankees, I'm not I'm a I'm worried. I'm just worried about Toronto. I'm worried about playing any team because I don't love their team. I um I think the Rays are going to finish second in the division because, I, like you, I think the Blue Jays are the best team. But I think the Yankees are going to be battling for a playoff spot because I think they got they got a lot of holes in that team. I I, I like that they brought Zach Britton back, but they, they have Britton and Chapman, but Chapman's becoming more and more unreliable. And I, I just the rest of the club I don't love. DJ Lemayhu, they got to hope he can have a bounce back season because he was really ineffective last year and. First base is kind of a, always a, a position where you're looking at the Yankee. Rizzo is there, but that you could say that's a net negative. Uh, but uh, I, I don't love the Yankees roster, to be honest. How about you? No, I'm kind of with you. They feel very old and fragile with guys mm-hmm. like Stanton and Judge. Like they're one play away from being out for half the year, like we've seen uh, several times before. So the way it's constructed in the rotation again you got obviously Garrett Cole who you know what you're going to get with him he'll be one of the best pitchers in baseball um but after that it's a lot of question marks Severino is back and healthy and if he can uh get back to form he's a very good pitcher but who knows coming off an injury uh you never know what you're going to get and after the him it's sort of a lot of question marks i don't even know if i could name their fourth and fifth uh starters off the top of my head right now um so there's a lot of question marks in new york but uh going back i agree i think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot um at the same time with the like the playoff expansion i would not be shocked if four teams from the al east make it into the playoffs i don't think that would right. be shocking at all yeah because you look around and like the American League, I like the White Sox a lot. I think they're the biggest threat to the Blue Jays when it comes to like potentially getting to the World Series. I, I like their team a lot. Um, the Tigers could be interesting because I think they're sneaky. They're a sneaky little team. They're young, but they got some good young talent up, up and coming here. Um, but you know, Minnesota, I don't expect to do much. In the in the West, I think Seattle is a sneaky team for me. Um, and obviously, you still have Houston there. But yeah, to your point, the Yankees and Red Sox could both get in. Which team do you think is better of the Yankees and Red Sox? I would lean Red Sox. I do think they're pretty pretty even. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them sort of fighting back and forth the entire year. Uh, the addition of Story is solid. You got them playing second base, which is solid. Um, guys like Bobby Dahlbach, and they got Jackie Bradley Jr. back in center field, which uh, – it's great out there in center field, not the best bat in the world, but um, I would lean Red Sox, but they, I mean, they're starting rotation. They don't have a guy like Garrett Cole. They have, I think they're starting uh, Yavaldi game one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, that scares me quite a bit. Um, they had guys that showed flashes last year. Was it Christian Hawk? I don't know how to say his last name quite correctly, mm-hmm. but uh, he showed flashes last year. So there's just a lot of uh, a lot of question marks with both teams, and it's like you're asking for for backup or bounce back years for a lot of guys, and you don't really know what you're gonna get from. I think the starting rotations, I would say, is the biggest question marks. This is kind of an interesting because we head into this season, and I think forever 
Mike Trout was just universally regarded as the best player in baseball. But he's kind of had a couple injury plague seasons. He's kind of out in LA, so you kind of forget about him. But as we as it's opening day today, who's the best player in baseball? It's a good question that you're right. I don't think at this point you can clearly say it's Mike Trout anymore. Um, you could, I, I think Otani is a weak argument. I think it was a bit weak that he won the MVP last year because I think they set a precedent that he'll win it every single year based on the way they're doing it. Um, I mean, he's a beast, but he struggled with his bat in the second half. Are you saying that as a Jays fan? A little biased, a little biased. (laughs) But, I mean, I just think. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's the best player in baseball. I think that he can't have one great season and you're the best player. Yeah, so it's tough. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't know. Trey Turner is number one ranked in fantasy, my fantasy draft last night. So you can go with him. He's a beast all around. He does a little bit of everything. I think he gets uh, a little underappreciated. I wouldn't argue him the best in baseball. Vladdy, from a bat standpoint, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't shock me to see him, uh, at least in that conversation this year. And and baseball is so tough, obviously, too, because hitting and pitching are almost two completely different sports so it's right like would you say it's walker bueller as a pitcher i would go i would healthy Degrom to me is the best pitcher in baseball to me right right he's the one guy that like i'll go out of my way if he's making a start and i'll watch it because he is like he'll paint corners at 99 100 all day and drop like 92 sliders which is just disgusting so i would still say a healthy Degrom is the best pitcher in baseball but obviously the health is a huge factor there, but Bueller, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years if he sort of takes the reins over as DeGrom gets a little older and he he's really entering his prime. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing for baseball if both of us are pretty well informed on the sport and we're having a hard time picking the best player. Like, I, I don't think that's good marketing-wise. I don't think that's great. He, it's fun to have a debate, but when you when there's not that many names that we're bringing up, it's kind of like, okay, where do we go from here? I know you're bang on because I'm thinking of like the other big sports, and I'm like, I can take like Connor McDavid, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, like LeBron, even though I don't like him, and probably not the best anymore. But like you can think of those big names right off the right. opera, and you're right. Like I'm like I'm grasping at straws here trying to think of the best baseball players in the league. Yeah. <laughs> a little sad. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think there's a set guy. Like maybe Trout reasserts himself, but he hasn't played in a year. So it's kind of it's you're you're like what have you done for me lately? I mean, if you looked at the playoffs, you'd be like okay, like Eddie Eddie Rosario is not the best player in baseball, <laughs> you know, he he had a great run, you know, but like Ronald Acuña didn't play for the Braves. So it's it's kind of a weird weird spot like the the Dodgers are full of really really great players but like I don't think Mookie's really good but I don't think he's the best I I can't say he's the best player he might be the best fielder in baseball I don't know if he's the best player yeah no you're bang on like every person you bring up it feels like I can poke like a little hole in why they're not the best but I can't definitively say like anybody is the top dog in baseball it's it is a bit of a problem and like you said Mike Trout I mean for the average baseball fan that only watches their team in the playoffs 
they don't even know who Mike Trout is. They probably watched him play like five games in his life because he they've never made or I think he's made the playoffs once Why in, his, whole, in yeah. his career. So like you don't get to see him play at all, especially on the West Coast too. Like not many people are staying up to watch that unless you're a diehard fan. Um, so it's tough. I think, uh, I mean, that's been a discussion in MLB for years. Like who is the face of baseball and baseball absolutely has a marketing problem. Yeah. Because yeah. And it doesn't help that he gives you nothing. Like he's just so bland and boring, but yeah. And Otani, I've said this forever because uh, I'm a big UFC fan to be a true star of a sport in North America, you have to speak English. Like you have, you have to, because I don't think people really gravitate towards you in a real level. They don't care what you have to say if through an interpreter. Like you see some UFC stars when they get really big, it's because they can speak English and people can hear their thoughts. Alex Ovechkin really improved his English. He's a huge star now. You know, people hate him now, right now, because of the war and whether that's fair or not i won't get into that right now but i think for baseball otani like vladdy tatis can speak uh, is it is it tatis is he the best player in baseball i for, i completely forgot he's injured too so you kind of forget about him but i do think the language thing is a big factor is a big factor in in all of this yeah, Tatis and his motorcycle is not great. But yeah, yeah, no, I always find Vladdy funny whenever they interview him after games. Like, he can clearly talk in English. Like, I'm sure he's not a great speaker in English, but he always brings the interpreter. He, he never wants to give interviews in English. I always find that a bit funny. But you're right. It is just a bit like it's just tougher to relate to them a little mm -hmm. bit. And you're right. Hearing what they're saying uh, through the interpreter, the interpreter is not giving it sort of with any of that emotion or anything like that. So it is tough to, uh, to connect to them when they're not speaking the same language. I agree with that. Outside of the Blue Jays, who are you looking forward to watching this year uh, in MLB? Uh, it was like the Mets would have been a great answer before their pitching injuries mm -hmm. here. Um, the Braves, again, I'm, I'm very curious to see if they can sort of uh, – repeat or show again that they're as good of a team um sort of covered all these teams i've had on my mind the phillies you mentioned they're going to be a mm -hmm. really weird team if you like speed and baseball do not watch them because their speed is going to be negative on the base pass <laughs> with all their guys <laughs> that they have um but the big one we just talked about mike trout i'm very curious to see if yeah. he can finally get over that hump uh, you added Rendon a couple of years ago. Uh, Cindergaard's now there. It'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see him in pitch uh, coming off uh, the big injury. So I, I'm very curious to see if they can finally get over that hump um, and win that division. Yeah, I I think the national uh, the AOS is going to be interesting because the Astros I think are still probably the class going into to the season, but they've lost Correa, obviously. They still have Brantley, Altuve, uh, Bregman, the Verlander's coming back off of, of uh, Tommy John, so that should be fun to watch. And I think Seattle is a lot better. They got, obviously, Robbie Ray from the Blue Jays. Uh, they uh, made a bunch of trades to get Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker from, from the Reds. But also, you mentioned the Angels, and then there's Texas, who start who play the Blue Jays starting tomorrow? They spend nearly half a billion dollars 
on two players. And I think the best they could finish is third in this division. Like they, and it might be worse because they have no pitching, none. That's what I was about to say. Like I looked at the series against Toronto and I'm like, Oh, I wonder who their ace is because I couldn't even think of who their ace was off the top of my head. I had and I see John Gray starting game one. I'm like, that's who's oh, starting give, game one. Oh, like give that to me as a Blue Jays fan. Yeah. <laughs> this weekend. So, but but you're right. And guys, like I'd be like I love Marcus Simeon. He's a great Blue Jay, mm-hmm. but I would be terrified of that contract as a yes. Texas fan because he's like he'll be in late 30s by the time that's over, and he's only like he's had two three pretty good seasons last year was by far his best but uh the shortened season like he was pretty bad that's why he had to sign that one year deal with toronto so i would be a bit terrified of that contract and then the other one Corey seager who another we talked a lot about injuries it feels like which is another problem in baseball apparently because we have to talk about injuries so much but Corey seager never seems to be able to stay healthy for a full year so Another guy that I think uh, they should be concerned about uh, due to his past problems. Yeah. Where do the Angels finish in this division? Uh, I would go second. I Like yeah. you mentioned, you still have Houston as a class, but I, I think they, they finally put up a fight. I think them in Seattle. Seattle, I think, overperformed a little bit last year. I mean, you looked at their run differential. They were not great. Mm-hmm. Um, they've improved, I would say, but I still think uh, the Astros are the class for now. And I, I really do think the Angels finally start to make strides. I hope so anyways. I think it would be good for them, the world to see. I think, I think they have to make the – like baseball is – like if they could do anything this year, like keep people healthy or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of, you know, genie comes out of the bottle to make something good – I think it would be the Angels make the playoffs and Otani to have another great season. I, oh, I think those are the two things. I think they come toe-in-toe because toe I think they want to market this team, which I totally understand from baseball. Big time. Like, I just picture them getting, like, the the primetime game first day of the playoffs with uh, mm-hmm. Otani on the mound hitting leadoff. Like, that's an ideal situation, like you said, for the entire league. Uh, Mike Trout stays healthy. Um that would be perfect. Will we get it? Uh, probably not based on <laughs> if the past tells us anything, but it, it would be great for the league for sure. I know the, the Braves are getting the, their World Series banner tonight and the rings. And most times you'll go to that, they get the opening night primetime prime game. Like the mothership, ESPN's got that game tonight. I'm probably going to watch it. But I'm a bit surprised that they didn't put – the Angels in Houston, to be honest. I'm surprised they didn't have that game as the first as their first ESPN game of the season. I know it has nothing to do with the World Series or anything, but for for better or for worse, Houston is still the most popular team in baseball, positive or negative. It gets the most fan interaction, gets the most talk because people hate them or they love them. And you get the the stars with the Angels. I'm I'm a little surprised they aren't getting more of a push early in the season. No, that's a good point. Is is Otani pitching? I'm not even sure. Yeah, he's pitching. He's pitching right now. Oh, yeah, that surprises me even a little more. Like if he was going game two or something, maybe I could understand it. But but you're right. That's a big game. Uh, the Astros are still hated by everybody outside of Houston. So mm-hmm. you're right. It brings eyeballs. But uh, yeah, it's tough. I guess 
it's tough to go against raising the World Series banner. You want to put some promotion on that, but I think more eyeballs would definitely be drawn. You to think you'd put the Mets though, Reds? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Reds the team like payroll just like goes down by the day. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, it's Otani against Valdez, uh, Framper Valdez, Framper Valdez tonight. That's a good pitching matchup. That should be a fun game. Yeah, that'll be much better than Braves and and Reds. I can pretty yeah. much guarantee you that. <laughs> um, did you? Uh, who's um, who do you got in the World Series? Uh, I gotta go Jays for sure. I can't come on here and not say Jays. Okay. And I think the the Dodgers, man, their lineup is just way too good for them not to to make it this year. Like. Top to bottom, they could be one of the best offenses of all time, honestly. If Cody Ballinger could figure it out, which I would Oof. be concerned, I don't expect him to. He looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but if he was able to figure it out, like that would be like their team would be unstoppable um, from a lineup perspective. Uh, they added Kimbrell in the bullpen, which mm -hmm. I mean, he's a beast. The rotation's still solid. You mentioned Bueller, Kershaw is getting older, but he's still not a bad. Uh, mid-rotation guy by any means and Urias is good though I, I don't see many weaknesses on their team so I would have uh Jays and Dodgers for sure all right but, so you, you're going with I Vegas I went shock yeah yeah <laughs> been going on the limbs there that's for sure all right um you've been tracking the Masters today yeah I, tr I tried my best obviously it's a bit tough with work I heard you say yesterday on the show that you you basically told your employer hey I'll be I'll be watching the Masters, which I thought was funny. I like that. Yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah, I was marking off stuff, and I I sneaked the computer in the door, so I had yeah. to, you know, I had to see Tiger play. And uh, I mean, what yeah. what, a, what a story that he's even playing. You know, like, I, 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 I agree. It's amazing. Full disclosure: I'm not a Tiger guy at all. I I hate Tiger. So wow. I, I put money on Tiger to miss the cut, which I instantly regretted. Never bet against him at Augusta. Um, but that was the only money I have on the Masters at the moment. I don't like him at all. But I'm not like naive to the fact that it's an amazing story considering where he was a year ago. It's an amazing story. Like he, he's great for golf because he draws eyeballs. The majority of the people love to watch him just because of the greatness and who he is. And then there's the people, I feel like there are several people like me that like to cheer against him as well. So um, he's great for golf, great for the sport. He draws eyeballs. And like you said, you can't deny that it was what he's done is pretty remarkable. And he's one under, so I'm going to lose money. <laughs> so why aren't you a Tiger guy? Uh, to be honest, uh, he's just not a very good person and i think that's changing now as he's getting older in age and he seems like more of like a human being uh and likable and it was even good today you saw him a couple times actually smiling on the golf course but during his heydays in the 2000s like he was a terrible person i know everybody knows about the cheating stuff like but that was really just the tip of the iceberg i've read so many stories and things about him he paid his coaches very cheaply it was a cheap tipper the word thank you wasn't in his vocabulary um he had a weird obsession with the navy seals and he went to train with them and apparently didn't treat them all that well so i just he's not a very good person in the 2000s and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and i've, I've really never liked him 
Uh, I appreciate what he's done for golf. Obviously, you can't deny that. And I understand why people like him because of the greatness and people are attracted to that. But yeah, it just sort of rubbed me the wrong way what he did like that. Yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest fan either just because I think golf does too much to go out of their way to talk about him. Like uh, when they when he's say like eight over at a tournament and they pan to his shots, that drives me nuts because I don't care. Uh, he's out of it. But yeah, I kind of work. I think it's great that he's playing, but I also think you can look at it and say, golf is always like, well, we need our youngsters. We need, you know, we need to promote the, the young people of the game to push the sport forward. Him being there kind of hurts them doing that because all they do is focus on Tiger and 99.9% .9 of their coverage is Tiger Woods. Oh, you're right. Even today, like I was getting, like all they're doing is like talking about Tiger, the, the entire broadcast basically. And you're right. Every other shot you see is, is his shot. They'll go to somebody else and show their shot. And then it's right back to Tiger. Which, I mean, I like, you understand that he's going to get the ratings and all that, but, you, but you're right. You do want to try to show some of these younger guys up and coming um, like the, the Scotty Shufflers. He has been a great story lately. Um, Matsuyama, obviously a defending champ. So it does suck a little for the rest of the crew that all eyes are on Tiger, but that's just sort of, yeah just how it is at this point like you said did you bet on anybody to win no i i never have luck with golf so i try to stay usually on like saturday or sunday i'll like look at the guys in the hunt and make like a smaller guys to win but i always just it's always a waste of money betting on on golf i find for me so i stay away from that <laughs> yeah um right now you got Justin Johnson, Cam Smith, uh, and Sung JM tied for the lead at four under. So the Tigers only three shots off the lead, which is <laughs> crazy. But uh, it's it's really it's tight because you got nineteen guys at even even par or or lower. So it's a tight field. Like guys haven't been shooting that great today. Corey Connors is two under, so he's two strokes off the lead. The Canadian Kepka is two under. You got um, Webb Simpson, Victor Hovland. So a lot of guys hang around even par. Uh, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, all even par today. Um, hockey season is winding down. A uh, couple weeks left. Is there a team you're watching that you are you feel really good about going into the playoffs, a team that you think can go on a deep run? like the entire eastern conference probably it's <laughs> it's wild how the eight teams in the eastern conference have basically been set for like months at this point like i can't think yep. of another year where it's been like that um usually like outside columbus i don't tend to watch a ton of hockey honestly uh but but this year i am very excited for that first round particular particularly mm. the eastern conference i think it's going to be an absolute war and i think it'll be fun just being able to watch it as an observer without a dog in the fight there's nothing more stressful than watching your team play playoff hockey so it's going to be fun with all the leafs fans and i have in my life and a couple bruins fans as well so i, I would i hoping for that toronto boston round one as a as an outsider i think that would be a lot of fun but i mean florida I was what a fun game that was maybe mm. not the prettiest hockey at all times against toronto but that was a fun game to watch and you got to remember too like they're still playing without ekblad who 
I think he should be back for game one of yep. the playoffs. So I think they're, I would lean towards them in the East and it's tough to go against Colorado still in the West, but uh, I'm very, very excited to, uh, for this first round of the playoffs. So being an Ontario guy and when Columbus is not in the playoffs, do you find yourself rooting for the Maple Leafs? Uh, it's tough. Like my dad and brother are both Leafs fans. I say I want my dad to get a cup before before he's gone. That's what I always say. I'm not active. I by no means do I actively root for the Leafs. In, in fact, like I find it amusing. Nothing's more funny than going to Twitter after a Leafs loss. That is one of my favorite activities to do. So uh, <laughs> it does give me some joy watching them lose. But like I said, I do want my dad to get one, one in his lifetime. So. Um, I'm not actively cheering for them, but if they win, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be crying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, my parents are big Leaf fans, so it's always entertaining because I'll watch, like I'll watch game seven with them last year against Montreal. And it's just, I, I say nothing because I, it's, 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 I hear them scream or complain enough with a lot. Like you said, go to Twitter after a loss and, Pets' heads are falling off, and they want to kill Jay Gardner. Like it's all—it's always something. But with the, with oh, it's, it's so amusing. It's so amusing. It was funny. Did you see the Marchant hit against Andrew Peak in Columbus? Like, yeah, it was like it was borderline. I was probably clean it for whatever you want to say. But I, I go to Twitter, and there's more Leafs fans defending Andrew Peak in Columbus than Columbus fans, so which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, they're doing the work for us. We don't have fans to do it, so. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the playoffs are going to be fun. You got Rangers and Pens playing tonight. That could be a potential first-round matchup, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, both those teams are Edmonton and L.A. play tonight. They'll likely meet in the first round. Um, are you a Raptors guy? I, I feel like I feel like you are, but I, I forget who your NBA team is. Yeah, yeah, Raptors are my team, but, like, admittedly, I don't. I'm a I'm a fairly bandwagon once the playoffs come around. I couldn't give you any in-depth uh, analysis of the squad right now. I'll, I'll let you know game one of the playoffs. Okay. Um, do, do, do you go to uh, a lot of Toronto sports? Uh, I've been to a, I haven't been to a Raptors game in a couple of years. The Jays, I definitely go to a couple of Jays games or at least try to every year. You probably three or four. Um, those are sort of just obviously the easiest to get tickets and get down to Leafs mm -hmm. game. I haven't been to a Leafs game and well, cause I don't like the team and I'm, <laughs> if I don't like the team, I'm not going to shell out that amount of money to go to a game. So um, I haven't been to a Leafs game in a long time, but, but Jay's games are always awesome to go to. And uh, I want to go a TFC game too. I've heard they're yeah, that looks, that looks, that looks fun. I've heard they're a great time. Yeah. Never been, but I would like to make it to one of those ones. And obviously Canada getting to the World Cup, that'll be uh, those will be tickets will be hard to come by if we do get the World Cup in 2026. Yeah, no big time because yeah, yeah, I can imagine they'll be expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, I I appreciate you hopping on. Always great talking to you, and we'll do we'll chat some more during the during the baseball season. But take care and uh, thanks for joining me. Unreal, sounds good. See you, Jug. Thanks, Benny. There's Ben Murray, everybody. Always great to chat with him. Um, but yeah, um, you know, baseball starting again. We talked about kind of went through every division there. Uh, didn't talk a whole bunch about the AL Central, but uh, yeah, Guardians, 
are going to stink. And also, the Cle- Cleveland used to be the, the Indians. I'm, I'm glad they changed that. But Guardians. And, you know, I hate the new names. Like Cleveland Guardians, Washington Commanders. Like, no. I mean, on this podcast, they're still the Washington football team. They're either the Washington football team or the Washington commies because their owner's a commie. So, um, I just garbage. Could you not do better? Like, I, again, I don't have a, an option off the top of my head, but give me 10 days to brainstorm with my idiot buddies, and I guarantee you we'll come up with a better name than the Cleveland Guardians. But enjoy that name for the next 80 years, Cleveland fans. They just re-signed Jose Ramirez. So they got that to look forward to, five-year deal. That's another token signing where you have a good player. He is still a good player. But the one good player you can put on the field when you're full of crap. But, you know, I think the Blue Jays should be a favorite. I think they should be, you know, right there for the World Series. I like the I like the White Sox a lot. I think they're legit. I You know, they got Eloy Jimenez. They still got uh, Tim Anderson at short. <clears throat> Sorry, you still got Tim Anderson at short. They got Lucas Giolito, who could win a, a Cy Young. And uh, I, I just really like their team. I think they're dangerous. I expect the White Sox to hang around. I The Tigers and the Mariners are the two teams for me in the American League that are interesting because they're young. I don't think they have a whole lot of expectations. And they got some younger talent. They have some veterans on the roster. I think both teams will be competitive. I think with the expanded playoffs, it helps teams like that that can – hang around and be in the fight longer than maybe they're accustomed to being. But we got a bunch of ga- big games tonight. We obviously baseball starting. You got, uh, like I said, Atlanta's going to be raising their banner tonight. You got um, 76ers Raptors in the NBA. Big game. Raptors are trying to stay in that fifth spot. The Sixers still have an outside chance of getting the one or two seed in the East. But this could – could potentially be a first-round playoff matchup. That series could start as early as next Saturday, so that's interesting. You got Celtics-Bucks, where they Celtics win tonight. Both teams have two games left after tonight. Boston currently sits; they have a fifty and thirty record. Milwaukee's forty-nine and thirty. So with a win tonight, Boston goes a long way into getting that second seed, keeping the. It looks like Miami's going to finish first in. Um, in the um, in the Eastern uh, Conference, but Boston, Milwaukee still playing for second, so that's a big game. Um, and then the Lakers are an afterthought, but they play the Warriors, who are battling for third for the third seed. So lots to be decided. NHL tonight, uh, you got Pittsburgh and the Rangers. This is their last meeting of the regular season. They're separated by a couple of points. Rangers are now only two back of Carolina. Carolina's playing Buffalo after losing the other night. You get uh, Lee Stars, Oilers, Kings. So a lot of great sports on tonight. Should be a great sports night. We'll be back tomorrow um, to talk about a lot of different things. We'll talk about day two of the Masters. We'll talk about baseball, uh, hockey, what happens tonight. We'll get into all of it manana here on the podcast. But thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed it. And as always, it's been to the point.